Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Dustin Hawkinsmith and Johnny McGonigal. Welcome in. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn State Health. That's Johnny McGonigal. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith. We are in Central Michigan week here, Johnny. By the time people are listening to this, probably the day before kickoff. And boy, I mean, you go from traveling to SEC country, 41-12, you know, one of the bigger wins, certainly of the last three, four years uh, under James Franklin at Penn State to now, you know, an anticlimactic kind of feel going into this one. And I know that's a feel from the fans. It does seem like Penn State's going about their business as usual. What are your early thoughts on this Central Michigan game? It's an interesting thing. Penn State, you know, right around a 27-point favorite. You do have that sort of emotional high from last week. I don't really see that as having any impact on this. But, you know, Central Michigan can move the ball. And uh, they they kind of struggle to stop opponents from moving the ball. So it's uh, I think we're going to see some points in this one. A lot of them, I feel like, from Penn State. Yeah, Dustin, you talk about, you know, going from Auburn to Central Michigan – I feel like a lot of Penn State fans are already at the Michigan game, right? October 15th, they're thinking ahead. They're thinking, all right, so you know, Central Michigan on the schedule, then Northwestern, and Northwestern isn't very good. And then you got the bye week, the off week. And then that trip, October 15th to Michigan, could be a battle between, you know, top five, seven, you know, eight, 10 teams, you know, especially Michigan right now uh, around the top five. And, and Penn State could be right there with them uh, in a few weeks. That looms large, right? That's going to be a big game, but they do have Central Michigan to take care of first and foremost. What does James Franklin say, right? Want to know every week? That's his, that's his mantra, right, Dustin? So uh, they got to take care of the Chippewas, uh, the fighting Dan Lefevers. I don't, I don't know if you remember Dan Lefever from back in the day, uh, quarterback from Central Michigan. He was, a, he was a blast. I've always, jokingly over the years, I've always called Central Michigan the fighting Dan Lefevers. Um, and uh, yeah, so Penn State has them on Saturday and. Look, this is a team that, like you mentioned, you know, scored scored quite a bit against Oklahoma State. Uh, it was a fifty-eight to forty-four game in Week One in Stillwater, but it was fifty-one to fourteen, like early in the third quarter. So this was one of those where I think Oklahoma State got a lot of guys in. And look, credit to Central Michigan for scoring and putting up some points. Uh, they've got a couple guys on offense that are worth you know taking a look at. But yeah, I think I think this is going to end up being a pretty convincing Penn State win and. Makes sense of their twenty-seven point favorites. It it does make sense, and I, I and I feel like that Oklahoma State game is one to circle because you could very well see a similar game flow where early to mid third quarter, Penn State's got a fifty burger up, and you start to see some of those backups. But I do feel like I, I don't I'm not to accuse Oklahoma State of not having enough pride to finish that game, but I feel like we've seen when Penn State goes deep down their roster those guys show up and, and they play and there's, they're, they're still talented guys. Like, I, I don't think there's a, you know, that monumental of a drop off. I don't think central Michigan's going to go on a 30 point tear in the third and fourth quarter against even at Penn state's reserves. No, I mean, you could argue that Penn state uh, has better reserves at some positions than they do in terms of just pure talent, right? Like raw talent. 
uh, than they do, you know, in the second you know team. Uh, it's just a matter of experience and you know veteran leadership, those kind of things uh, that obviously are very valuable in college football. But yeah, no, there, there's so many guys that are itching to play on this Penn State team. A lot of young guys, and we're going to talk about them in a bit. Uh, those true freshmen, especially. Uh, that are itching for playing time and snaps to, to not only develop, but to push the guys ahead of them, right? And put that on tape and and hopefully do something, uh, do something with their opportunity. Uh, so yeah, I don't I don't see much of a drop off. I, I don't know. What what was your what was your score prediction, Dustin? Because I had uh, I think 45-17, which uh at the time was you know covering by a few points because last I saw at that point it was like 25 and a half, 26. Now it's up to 27. So it's it's really by a whisker. <laughs> and, and, I, and I do love that phrase by Wesker. I've got Penn State uh, 49-17. I had to talk myself down from, from predicting 50, 60 points uh, from, from Penn State in this one. You know, one of the reasons that I feel like they can, go, they can soar past 50 is because Drew Aller isn't, you know, speaking of not much drop-off, I mean, I think he's going to drop dimes on any. So if these guys struggle to defend the pass, even if Penn, even if Sean Clifford has benched early in the third quarter, I think Drew Aller is still going to have some success and they're still going to keep allowing those young guys. You know, they've got a number of young wide receivers that they want to get legitimate work to. Like, I think they're still going to run their offense. And as long as they do, I think they're still going to keep scoring points. So I really feel like, you know, this is a, a group that is number 124 against the pass this year and certainly skewed because they play Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, but they ranked number 112 last year, even as they won nine games. So this is a kind of a fundamental weakness for them. And I do feel like, you know, if anybody's been itching to see Parker Washington have a big day, who hasn't? If you're itching to see Trey Wallace come from like, oh, he's so close to making a play to actually making a play, there's a, there's a good chance of that. Uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith maybe breaking an 80-yard slant or something like that. I think you're going to see a fair amount of success. I think you're going to see some big plays from this Penn State offense. And I don't think it's going to change that much when the reserves get in there because Drew Aller, you know, looks like the real deal. Yeah, I agree. They want to see what they have more. So, you know, they already saw quite a bit, you know, when he came in against Purdue and those few throws that he had and, you know, the, the six for eight, two touchdowns, 88 yards against Ohio, he came in for a series and, and led a, uh, led a field goal drive. But even at that point down at Auburn, right. It's like handed off, handed off, handed off. Let's just kill this clock. There, there was no reason for Aller to push the ball downfield or for Penn State to put him in that position because, look, the, the worst thing you want to happen is, is you know, your true freshman quarterback uh, in SEC country to get pick six or something bad to happen. And then Auburn feels like it has a chance to make this thing closer than it is. And Central Michigan doesn't pose that threat, uh, especially in their pass defense. And so, yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised if you know, Aller has another 32-yard dime to Omari Evans for a touchdown or, you know, he finds a guy like Caden Saunders who, you know, will be getting more reps. And so uh, opportunity for Drew Aller, opportunity for even guys on this defense uh, in, in the third, you know, in the third, fourth rung, you know, you talk about KJ Winston and, uh, you know, other guys within that, you know, freshman class that, you know, have played, but haven't played quite, you know, as much as maybe uh, they will in a couple of years that this could be a good learning opportunity for them. Last thing on Central Michigan, then we'll move on. Do you feel like that experience against Oklahoma State is a cautionary tale for James Franklin to to not maybe dive too quickly into into you know wide scale replacements if the game is kind of out of hand, uh, or message to the players about what could happen at the very least, and try to make sure that they understand that the game's not over, even though they're even though he's going to the to some depth. 
Yeah, I, I think it's a message to the players. And then, you know, you look at the offensive coaching staff, too, because I mentioned earlier that Oklahoma State game, I think it was 37 seconds into the second half, Oklahoma scored a touchdown to go 51-14. So at that point, you know, they're, they're thinking, they're sitting pretty. Mike Gundy's like, all right, we're good, right? Uh, and they clearly left, you know, took the foot off the gas. And so I think when you put that second team offense in, I think you're running your normal offense. You're trying to score, uh, if not just for the development of your guys, but also just to you know keep that padding up, right? Let, let's not make this dicey at the end like it was, you know, again, relatively speaking, they still won by a couple touchdowns. But uh, yeah, I'm sure Oklahoma State wouldn't have liked to you know see 44 hung on them uh, in week one. So yeah, I think it's I think it's a message to the players and it's a, and it's something to keep in mind if you're the coaching staff. I just wanted to recap um, James Franklin from Wednesday night practice availability. Few things really came up. I mean, first and foremost, Adisa Isaac, you know, for him to say, and it's obvious, I think, to everyone, um, that there's still so much more out there for him. First of all, I I was able to I stood next to him in street clothes and and he was way bigger than I imagined he was. Like I kind of picture like a lanky dude, but like he's a he is a, a a wrecking ball. And you saw that finally, I say finally because of the way that he missed last season. Uh, missed that opportunity to break out before, but I think that's happening right now, and I think the the, the program really believes he's still just scratching the surface. Yeah, Deesa Isaac, three tackles for loss uh, against Auburn. I mean, he was everywhere, and that was a game, too, that we kind of put it to the front seven, right? It's like, all right, now it's your time to not only lock up this running game, but when Auburn is in third and long you know, with T.J. Finley or Robbie Ashford, whoever the quarterback was, you know, third and long, this is your opportunity to shine, to, to get to the quarterback, to create havoc uh, and do so on the national stage. I mean, this game was on CBS. It was in front of four million viewers, most watched game of the weekend. And Adisa Isaac did that. Uh, so I've been impressed with what he's shown so far. You know, again, coming off that injury and really settling in. And, you know, again, this is an opportunity here these next two weeks against Central Michigan and Northwestern. First of all, stay healthy. You want that not only for Isaac, but everyone on this team. Stay healthy the next couple of weeks. Come out with a couple dubs. Put some good stuff on tape that you can look at over the bye week and feel good going into that Michigan game. But it's not just Isaac for me. It's, you know, Chop Robinson has been a revelation since uh, transferring over from Maryland. And it's it's funny to see and say still that he's a sophomore, right? Like he's still a young guy. Uh, he looks like a veteran out there. The way that he's been able to work his moves off the edge and get to the quarterback, I've been really impressed uh, with him. And so, yeah, I think you know, that Auburn game overall for the front seven was a really big deal. You know, Abdul Carter was all over the place. You know, Curtis Jacobs, despite leaving briefly for an injury, was all over the place. Uh, even Jonathan Sutherland, I think, played pretty well. This was a really, uh, it was a confidence booster game for the front seven and for Disa Isaac specifically. You know, one of the great variables of this Penn State defense was certainly the front seven, but I think really, okay, we know Chop Robinson was a highly regarded recruit. We know Adisa Isaac before he was hurt, you know, had a lot of buzz within the program. The defense really kind of came down to in the pass rush. Are the are those guys able to? Is the production able to meet where their talent is? You knew they were talented, but I think that's what we're starting to see there. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our eighteen locations across the Commonwealth couple other little notes i think james franklin didn't want to get into in what ways he's seen growth from drew aller that's then that's fine i mean he's going to play that one close to the vest he also was kind of sharing his perspective on 
you know, coaches watching Sean Clifford just get absolutely pummeled by Owen Papo and and early in that Auburn game said the hit was worse than he thought initially because he was kind of tracking the ball. But, you know, he said what I think a lot of people agreed with is that, you know, Sean Clifford bounced right back up. I, I really thought when that hit happened in real time, I don't know about you. I was like, this guy's leaving the game. That's true. It's true. Aller time. That's what I thought, too. I mean, he got laid out. And, you know, I, we talked to Sean Clifford after the game. My second question to him right off the bat, as soon as he came out of the tunnel was, man, like that hit, like, are you okay? First of all. And two, like, what was going through your head? Have you seen a replay of that? He said, yeah, like I've seen the replay. Uh, It looks worse than it was, but he did get me pretty good. He's like, it definitely rocked me. Uh, And then I felt bad for Sean a little bit. You know, I was with him for his entire time. He was out there uh, during his post-game media scrum. And and this happens where your reporters, they bring out multiple players at a time and, you know, there's different scrums going on. So reporters will come in, come out and, and be like, Oh, I'm sorry if you've been asked this already. And, you know, but then asked the question, he, he was asked about that hit two more times after that. So he had to relive it in his head like three times in a 10 minute span. I'm sure that, you know, wasn't necessarily fun. It didn't look like a fun hit to take. Uh, but, you know, I might, one of my stories after the game was that resilience, that resolve for him to bounce back and, and not just bounce back and be like, hey, I'm alive and, and well, uh, it, you know, to lead a touchdown drive on that next drive for Penn State. I thought it was a real momentum shifter, a real statement, a tone setter. Whatever you know, generality you want, you know, word you want to use for. I really think it was a big, a big moment uh, in the game for him to hit. You know, uh, Mitchell Tinsley downfield for that 34-yard gain rush for you know a seven-yard quarterback draw and and celebrate. I think it was a big moment for him. You know, really just resiliency the whole way through. Like year four as a starter, there are so many people who just want him to leave. You know, like if we're if we're if we're speaking facts, I mean, there are so many people who don't appreciate his presence here, don't appreciate, you know, are are, are quick to just bat. Like, I can't imagine what it's like to be Sean's parents or or Sean. Like, Sean's probably learned how to filter that out, and I'm sure his parents have too. But there's a lot of toxic stuff that goes around. I think just, you know, this is one area where, you know, he deserves a pat on the back for for that just pure toughness. I think just to come back for year six for a fan base that doesn't seem to appreciate him, uh, and, and play, but then certainly that this hit too. Like he's got a history now of uh, of being tough minded in situations like this. Yeah, it's like there's this kind of weird mix, right? Because after you know he leads the two minute drill touchdown at Purdue, you see fans on Twitter and Instagram, wherever, right? Penn State fans are, you know, appreciating him and being like, hey, he's our guy, and and then like you know against Ohio. Uh, and again, this is more of like a support thing. So I get it. But like, you know, Nittanyville, the students that camp out and they have the signs at Beaver Stadium, the little like bedsheet signs that they, they they paint on. They had, you know, an all in for Aller one. And, I you know, I might have missed it. I didn't see one for Sean Clifford. Maybe there was. So if there was, you know, you know, my apologies there. But there's just kind of this weird mix where it's like you appreciate him when he does what, what you want him to do. Uh, but then, you know, you see Aller out there and it's hard not to get you know, kind of wrapped up in that, you know, the excitement of the five-star freshman and going back to even, you know, the whole, I remember Rob Bolden was, uh, you know, a, a jewel that people wanted in, you know, you had like really in any situation where you have a heralded quarterback as the backup, a young guy, you always want the shiny new toy. Right. And so I totally get that, but I do think that there is, a, you know, this veteran presence, the way that Sean Clifford carries himself. And I think like a very real thing is how he sets up the running game. And I know Fans would be like, all right, well, that's easy, right? But I don't think it is, especially against a front against Auburn that is so, you know, a veteran front, a really good front. Uh, and they ran all over them. And a lot of that is on Singleton and Allen and the offensive line. But 
think Clifford deserves some credit for that too. Yeah. Experience means something. And, you know, from a human interest point of view, like I, I root for the kid because, you know, just for him, you'd like to see this last chapter be the one that he's hung in there and tried to have the whole way through. And early on, you know, we've seen this before. We've seen this script play out before, but at the quarter pole here, three and oh, and everything looking good. We'll see what happens. You mentioned the freshman. And Jay, I think James Franklin addressed this a bit this week, just in terms of managing that four game cap. And I think I've got all the guys spelled out who have played either two or three games. The guys who have played one game so far, it seems like it's pretty safe to say that they're not in the running to burn their red shirt this year. The interesting cases are the handful of guys who have played in two games because James Franklin wants to have at least one game in his back pocket, if anything, for the bowl game. And also you have to manage the fact that, you know, you're an injury away from needing that player for maybe it's one game, maybe it's two games. So you have to try to manage that too. So the three game guys from my count would suggest that these are, these guys are well on their way to, to playing outright. Uh, Drew Aller, Nick Singleton, Catron Allen, Omari Evans has played in three games, Deny Dennis Sutton, Zane Durant, Abdul Carter. I don't think there's any surprises on that list. These guys are, you know, reliable contributors now and that their roles are only going to grow. Actually, I would say that maybe Aller is a surprise only given the, the circumstances that he came in in the Purdue game. I mean, I don't think that they didn't want Clifford to go out and, and have to go to the locker room and Again, he looked good in that game, but I don't think they planned on him to play in that game. I'm, and I'm sure they planned on him to play in the Ohio game. Did they plan on beating Auburn by a million and, and having that opportunity even get him in? I don't think so. So maybe the preseason plan at this point, I mean, might have been Aller, you know, get him in, you know, in the Ohio game. But if for him to be at three games at this point, I think it's probably going to play against Central Michigan. And then, uh, you know, he's he's likely going to play in a fifth game, if not more at this point. Right. Like. And if he's as good as he's going to be and he's only going to stick around for a couple couple more years anyway, if the NFL comes calling and he, he, if he puts up those kind of numbers and, and that kind of production, really a redshirt year doesn't really mean anything, right? Um, Singleton's going to play seven. You know, Catron, like those guys, Deny Dennis Sutton for sure. Zane Duran has made it, uh, an impact at D-tackle. Abdul Carter has been all over the field. Amari Evans is one that you know, there's a lot of depth at wide receiver, so I think you can maybe get by with – you know, trying to play him in one more game. Same deal with, you know, Caden Saunders at two games right now. But if, if you had to guess, Amari would play in, in more than four as well. And I think they only had, what, two guys uh, not redshirt in the redshirt, you know, in the freshman class last year. So uh, this is a significant jump up. And that makes sense when you bring in the kind of talent that they did in this class. Do you feel like, um, and, and I don't think we really have the answer, nor will James Franklin answer it, but do you feel like they they said to themselves, this kid's not here beyond three years, regardless. We're on. He's going to play more than four games. We, it, it's important to get him as many reps as we possibly can. But I think you're right that if things would have continued to play out as they did against Purdue without Sean Clifford leaving, he probably doesn't play in that game, and they probably can't budget for you know him seeing the field against Auburn. But at the same time, I I, I feel like they they were probably on a we're playing him regardless path. That's what it seems like. It, it makes sense. And again, it's not just Aller either. It's a guy like Singleton and Dennis Sutton. I mean, these guys who, you know, come in as five stars and they're, they're top 50 recruits and you're thinking, Hey, these, these guys have the talent, right? That's why we're bringing them in. That's why we're so excited to have them put, you know, you know, pen to paper and, and fax over. People don't really use fax anymore, but, you know, get that letter of intent in They're They're excited to get them on campus. 
right? All that excitement, you know, you want that to, to bear fruit. You want that potential to turn into production. In an ideal world, like they're good enough for Penn State that they leave after their junior year, that they leave after three years and the NFL comes calling. And so, yeah, I think that it makes sense that that would be the plan is just like, hey, let's get these guys as many reps as possible because Sean Clifford, you know, isn't coming back for a 37th year in 2023. So Aller is going to be the guy. You know, Singleton is already seen, you know, Singleton and Katron Allen are seemingly already the guys at running back. You know, Deny Dennis Sutton is going to be a guy at defensive end. He's progressing this year. And then again, the other guys on the list too. Um, so I think, I think that makes sense. Uh, and look, I think they're going to be in a better spot for it. You know, even uh, this upcoming Michigan game, they're going to have a lot of, you know, you know, reps under their belt and Ohio state and these big games coming up. It really helps that these freshmen have already gotten a lot of run. I think it helps in a big picture point of view too. When you talk about recruiting, if you can say, you know, we had 10 guys, uh, make an impact, whatever, whatever the number is, but we're not afraid to, if, if you show it, we're, we're going to, we're going to use it. And I think that probably helps them. And, and it's just an interesting spot because they are pretty young this year in a lot of those two deep situations. Uh, you mentioned the, the two game guys, and this is where we're in middle ground because they're kind of trying to make a determination. You know, I got the impression that in a perfect world, James Franklin would not get the three games uh, with guys that he plans to redshirt. Like that's the way that I interpreted it. Because if you're at three games, you know, and and the fourth game could very well be the bowl game. So if anything goes awry, guys that you ideally would redshirt, that might not be an option anymore. But Caden Saunders, Cam Miller, KJ Winston are are the three names I've got there. And it it seems in a perfect world, all three of those guys would redshirt. You know, Franklin talked about that a bit this week uh, about the approach there. But I think you mentioned guys who look like they're ready and ha- have have performed well, but we'd still like the redshirt. That, to me, screamed Kevin Winston. Yeah, for sure. No, I agree. I mean, those three guys are, you know, maybe they don't play against Central Michigan and you, know, you save them for a bowl game. And then, you know, God forbid, you know, something happens, you run low on depth, uh, you know, against Northwestern or against Indiana or Maryland or something, and you need – uh, one or two of those guys to pop in for, you know, five or 10 reps. Uh, you, you don't want to be in a situation where, uh, you know, you're playing them early just because you can. And then when you need them, you, you, you hesitate uh, because of that red shirt situation. So I understand what Franklin's saying there. I agree with it. It makes sense. Uh, you know, the guys we talked about earlier that have already played three games at this point, they're probably going to play the, the rest of the season, but guys like Caden Saunders, you can probably get away with not playing him. Uh, not only against Central Michigan, but you can you can save those games. You know, Cam Miller and KJ Winston are, are in that boat as well. Those positions, specifically the secondary and wide receiver, both very deep, uh, and I think you, you can get by without without burning those games. Yeah, no no need to press it with them. I think. Uh, last but not least, speaking of recruiting, uh, this was it to me like kind of an inside baseball kind of thing. James Franklin talking about uh, single person dorms and the fact that that's not an option for Penn State legitimately cost them a guy who's now in the NFL and was a big issue that they had to work through with Denai Dennis Sutton. And it's just like, you know, number one, you know, kids' priorities and families' priorities are, are way different, and it's just hard to predict that. But also, you know, I don't know if this is a debilitating issue per se, but to me it just kind of, you know, to hear James Franklin talk about all the little ways in which Penn State might have lagged behind for a number of years that he's trying to close the gap. It's not just paint. In the, in the football building, it's not just whatever. Um, this is an interesting little issue that, you know, if you're anti-James Franklin, you're, you're going to accuse him of kind of complaining and whining or whatever. But 
I think it's a legitimate thing, especially if it costs you a guy. Yeah, absolutely. And again, if it almost caught you, cost you uh, deny Dennis Sutton, a five-star defensive end over something as small as not having single, you know, football player dorms. I mean, going from, you know, McDonough, which is where uh, deny Dennis Sutton was playing high school football. He's from Delaware originally, but he was boarding uh, at McDonough and in, in Maryland, which uh, he had his own dorm room there. So I guess the issue was that Sutton is like, I'm going from high school where I have my own dorm to having a shared dorm. And again, ultimately it didn't cost Penn state uh, such a heralded recruit and a guy who was contributing already. But the fact that it did cost someone, it cost him someone, of course, you know, James Franklin's not going to name the guy who's in the NFL that, that it was an issue with, but these are the little things that, yeah, you're right. Like the Penn, you know, the Penn State fans who don't like James Franklin will roll their eyes and say, oh, he's always asking for more. He's always asking for more. But these are very reasonable things, I think, that especially within the context of today's college football, where you know recruits care about this kind of stuff. And, and you know, I understand why uh, you as a head coach have to care about it, too. And then you as a board of trustees or you know, whoever or as a booster who's shelling out the money and approving these things, you have to care about it as well. And so. It's just the way college football is right now, and uh, and it's not a bad thing. It's just it's just the state of the state of the game. I just picture James Franklin had a meeting with uh, Pat Kraft, the new AD, and and this came up, and Pat Kraft maybe didn't take it all that seriously, and then you have James Franklin. You know what? I get a microphone every week. I can I can say whatever I want, and I'm going to let the fans know that this issue that you don't care about costs us a guy and almost costs us another one. I don't know if that's how it played out, but James Franklin is pretty purposeful. There's a reason that he he went out of his way to to say this, and uh, and and it seems reasonable that uh, that he and I don't know it got my attention when you say it costs us a guy that gets my attention. Yeah, I mean James Franklin, uh, he's very calculated, and uh, that's not a, that's not a negative thing. That's just the way he is. He doesn't give away information for free or without reason. Uh, and for him to say this, there was there was intent, there was purpose behind it. So uh, it got us talking about it. It got a lot of other people talking about it. It, it put the issue really out there in the public. This isn't like a behind the scenes thing anymore. Uh, and it's obvious what, what he wants. And so, you know, he's, he has that microphone. He's going to use it. There you go. Hey, we got microphones too. And we just used them here on the blue white breakdown. How's that for a wrap up? Penn state, central Michigan noon kickoff at Beaver stadium, Penn state looking to go four and oh, this game does need to be played. You don't just fast forward from three and oh to five and oh before Michigan. So we'll see if they can take care of business as a 27 point favorite. That's John McGonagall. Check out everything that he does, penlive.com slash Penn State Football. Follow him on Twitter as well. And you can also download Blue White Breakdown episodes from everywhere that you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time here on the Blue White Breakdown. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.